Welcome to the Third Church Podcast. I'm Corey Widmer, the lead pastor at Third, and today's podcast is part of a little mini-series that we're doing called Little Things with Great Love. What we're doing is looking at ways that people in our community are seeking to be faithful to Jesus and his mission during this pandemic. Uh, All of us are hearing a lot about politicians and leaders in the news these days, but we really think that the greatest heroes in this pandemic are probably people that you don't hear about very much, neighbors and local leaders who are acting in small, courageous ways uh, to love and serve. So there's a whole lot of ways that God's people are being faithful to Jesus right now, and we want to highlight a few of those stories. That's why we call it Little Things with Great Love. So today I have the privilege of talking with my friend, Dr. Mike Murchie, uh, who is the medical director of Crossover Healthcare Ministry, a longtime mission partner of Third and celebrated nonprofit in our city. Um, the mission of Crossover is to provide high-quality health care, to promote wellness, and to connect community resources with people who are in need, uh, especially the uninsured and the under, underinsured, and they do all of this in the name of Jesus. So, hi, Mike. It's so great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, why don't you first just tell us a little about yourself and about your work at Crossover? Sure. Um I grew up in Northern Virginia, just outside D.C., um, grew up in a great family. My parents wonderful and raised me in the faith, and um, I have three brothers. And um, my family now, I have my wonderful wife, Missy, and I have been coming to third ever since we graduated from college. We've been here about 20 years or so and went through pre-medical school, medical school, and um, went away for residency and then came back. And we've added to our family. Our family has grown since then. We um, have four kids, um, Camille, who's 15, Natalie, who's 13, Josiah, who's 11, and Gracie, who's six. So that's that's our crew. And um, yeah, it's been an amazing blessing to be a part of Third mm. for, um, for so many years. A lot of um, the calling that uh, we felt as a couple and as a family to serve um, as a family at Crossover um, uh, came through teaching and learning more about the teachings of Christ and seeing people live, live their faith out, such as Dr. Rivers and so many others at third, um, the folks who started crossover folks that started. So yeah, crossover, um, was started, um, you know, over 30 years ago by, um, a lot of, uh, you know, a small group of people that wanted to kind of take some of the gifts and uh, resources of the suburbs and, translate those, cross those over into areas of need in the city. Mm, um, that's where the name comes and from. That's, that's part yeah. of it. Yeah, it comes from that. And then also the um, the person on the street um, and the story of the Good Samaritan that crossed over the street to help the person in the ditch. Mm. And there's a lot of different meanings to the, the term, but those are some of the more common. Um, so Buddy Childress with Neil's Eye, um, that's really where Crossover was, was, was birthed from and then was kind of spun off as it grew over, over the years. Um, and how did you come to become the medical director? Um, I, so I was um, in medical school and actually as a pre-medical student, um, Dr. Rivers um, let me know about an opportunity to volunteer just to kind of get my feet wet to see if I was interested in doing medicine long term. And I was really um, touched by 
what I saw there in terms of um, the volunteers that were giving up their time to serve people in need. The, um, it also impacted me in terms of the people that were served. I grew up in a pretty well-to-do um, suburban area and hadn't come across a lot of poverty myself. Um, so God really used a lot of those experiences to um, prompt me to, to want that type of job long-term. And, um, and then um, I won't give you too long of the story, but um, fast forward to finishing up residency, I still had that sense of calling and um, got in touch with a medical director at the time who was Dr. Januzzi. And um, over the course of time, um, Crossover was able to put together funding so that when I graduated, um, the first few years of my salary would be accounted for to come on staff at Crossover. Hmm. Um, so that was that was an amazing experience. Actually, Bon Secours and HCA co-funded that, um, which it's rare that they do things like this together. Wow. So it's really a great yeah. um, thing that, that the Lord put together. Hmm. Yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about how your work uh, and how the work at Crossover has changed since the outbreak of COVID-19. Sure. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Crossover, just for people that might not know about it. Um, we have two clinics, one that's in Henrico, just a few miles from the church, um, and then another one that's South Richmond um, on Corden Avenue um, in the city of Richmond. Um, and we serve um, a very diverse patient population, a lot of people that have lived in the U.S. with generational poverty for years, others that have come from all over the world. Um, we have hundreds of um, countries of origin among the people that we serve. Um, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it's about over 50 different languages spoken wow. um, by the people that come to Crossover. Um, serving people, it's a coalition of employees, about 50 employees, and then about 600 volunteers over the course of the year that come together to, mm. to provide services. And very diverse crew. It, it's kind of a cross-section of Richmond, if you think about our donor base, our patient base, our volunteers, our employees. Um, just a very different walks, but all with uh, meeting this common ground of wanting to help um, people in need um, mm. that have poor access to healthcare in the name of Christ. Um, wow. So that's kind of who we are. Um, we're unique in that we're multidisciplinary. So we have a primary care clinic. We have a, and that's mainly where I serve. And then um, in my role, I also you know help oversee the medical services of our dental program, of our ophthalmology program, obstetrics. Um, uh, others oversee the social work program. We also have a mental health, behavioral health program. Um, so we really have kind of all services for people in, in one place, which is such an important thing for the mm -hmm. challenges that people we serve face. So, so that's the reason why I share some of that background is that when COVID-19 hit, it didn't just hit like a primary care medical clinic. It right. hit all of those programs and all of those people um, and all of us in very different ways. So mm. I think that's been the biggest challenge for myself and our um, CEO, Julie Billadou, and kind of thinking through how do we um, adapt our model of care so that we're there mm -hmm. for the people that need us. We serve communities that a lot of times traditional medicine don't reach. Mm. And a lot of times these populations also have distrust of traditional medicine and they won't present for symptoms or things that they should sometimes because of fear of um, economic consequences, they won't go seek care, but also sometimes they just don't trust the medical system in general. Right. And we kind of have great relationships into those communities. So from a public health standpoint, we feel like we're a really key component to the COVID mm. response because mm. um, we can reach a lot of populations that 
it's going to be harder for other people to reach because of our relationships. Can you give us an example of how you're doing that? How are you yeah. reaching into some of those communities right now? Absolutely. Um, yeah, some, not me, other people had some really great ideas on this. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was, um, but two things. One is we had to modify our dental program where we could only do emergency services, which meant that our dental assistants, who are bilingual in Spanish, um, didn't really have much work to do. So we're having them do outreach calls to um, our high-risk populations. I think so far they've done about 1,500 phone calls to our patient base, which is about 6,600 patients or so. Oh. Um, and they're calling and just telling them that we're open, we're here for you, we care about you. That's like the first part of the script and then kind of getting into some of the things they can do to help keep themselves and their families safe. Mm. We've also, we're just releasing in the next couple of days um, videos where in Spanish, English, Arabic, and Portuguese, we have a video message, a YouTube channel, and we're just texting a link to those two videos where myself and um, Dr. Danielle Vula, who's a member at Third, and Naveen Samuel, um, um, and then another one of our employees are, are doing some health education in um, in those languages on wow. those videos. So wow, I didn't even know you yeah. spoke Arabic and Portuguese. No, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just introducing the, those folks. Yeah, I speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, Dr. Avula speaks much better than I, so she yeah. she did that video. But yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. that's really amazing. Uh, what about the patient base? I mean, how, do you how, do you see yet the pandemic changing? who is coming to Crossover for Help or why people are coming? Well, it's interesting. Um, it, first, just thinking about our established patients. Um, so we are um, receiving, most of our services have turned over to phone-based or video-based. Telehealth is kind of the buzz term that you hear. Um, so our established patients are reaching out to us for medication refills, new symptoms, things like that. If we need to see them, we'll see them in person. Um, and um, I think we're getting a lot of calls of people that are just, frankly, afraid. You know, mm. it's allergy season. So the symptoms of COVID are dry cough and lots of oh, things, you know. Gosh. So it's really yeah. confusing. It's a confusing time of year. And people, a lot of people need reassurance. Um, other people also want testing or need testing based on their symptoms. So we've, mm. we have a testing program where we've tested about, um, I think it's about 30 people so far. And mm -hmm. we've had... Um, been able to identify some some cases and then get make sure that their families are quarantined. So that's kind of our established patients in terms of new patients, people that want to seek services. It's been, um, you know, not a lot of people want to go out and go to the doctor right now. Um, so we haven't had quite as high of a demand in that. And then we also have had to change our processes because we can't do that in person as much. Um, although we still take people that are coming out of the hospital um, in person. Um, but anyway, what I, you know, what our CEO Julie talked about right when all this started is that there's going to be two waves. There's mm. the first wave of the physical needs and the symptoms related to coronavirus. And then there's the second wave of all these people that are losing their jobs, yeah. people that are facing um, lots of social isolation, people that are um, financing, uh, facing financial distress. A lot of times people that may have even been doing well, never been without health insurance, never not had a job, and then all of a sudden face these right. horrible choices between paying the rent and paying for their medicine or things like things like that. Hmm. So um, I think in the coming weeks, especially at Crossover, we're going to feel the weight of that because we are you know, the place where people are going to go when they face that yeah. circumstance. Yeah. Wow.
this environment creates so much stress, um, and yet you're doing all of this in the name of Christ, and you are personally such a committed follower of Christ. So where in these hard days do you see God? Where do you see God working? Where do you see him showing up in your everyday work? What do you see? Yeah, I mean, I really like the theme of this podcast. What was it? Little Things, Little things with Great, great love. love. And I remember actually when you mentioned that in the service a few weeks ago, I think there might be a song or something mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Anyway, um, because there have been a lot of, um, you know, when you think about love, uh, there's been a lot of kind of more romantic or sacrificial stories that you can read about and that I could tell you about in terms of the way our employees and many of our volunteers are, you know, coming in and, and, and working so hard and putting themselves at risk, you know, mm. like, and then people in the hospital and, um, you know, we, there, there's so many amazing stories along those lines. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Is yeah. there one that you can tell us or, um, you know, it's, yeah, it, it would be, it's a little bit hard to kind of get into specifics on some of that, but, but what's actually hit me more during this crisis has been um, kind of the little things that people have been doing mm. that are actually really, really big. Um, we have a um, sewing circle that is a, a group of ladies from a church in the West End and a group of immigrants from Brazil have formed and meet at Crossover. And they can't meet anymore, but like within four or five days of all this happening, they were sewing masks and delivering masks to Crossover. Wow. Um, we've had, you know, Gosh, Kathy Witt and Val Kling and others have been sewing masks, getting them to cross over. Mm -hmm. um, we've had um, a uh, uh, someone that works at LabCorp, which is one of the lab mm -hmm. people that does the COVID testing, realized that we were out of, or was made aware that we didn't have enough tests right when all this started. She has relationships, she has a heart for crossover, and then she also has relationships with dermatology practices. So she actually knocked on the doors of dermatology practices and said, hey, I know you guys have the right equipment to do these tests, and I know you're not doing anything mm -hmm. with this right now. Can I take your equipment to crossover? And so that was a huge blessing to us. And wow. We ended up being able to test someone that needed to be tested that afternoon when that arrived. Hmm. So there's been a lot of you know really neat stories along those lines. Um, but um, just... Um, there was a devotional I read during this that talked about how love is maintenance. And, mm. and it's this, they refer to this poem that talks about how love is WD-40 and getting dental work done and <laughs> all these things that are, you know, really kind of what make the world go round. Yeah, duct tape. Yeah, so I think about like employees that yeah. are just wiping countertops that are doing yeah. everything they can to keep the environment safe, yeah. things that people aren't watching. I think about cleaning crews that are coming in to clean mm. our clinics afterwards. Um, I think about you know, you know, my kids and other kids in the neighborhood walking around the neighborhood and like writing encouraging messages and sidewalk chalk in mm -hmm. front of random strangers, mm. you know, driveways. And I, I think a lot of those stories um, are really in some ways the most impactful for me that, mm. I've, that I've been seeing. Mm. I agree. What about you? How are you doing these days and what are you struggling with and where are you finding your perseverance and strength and courage for your your daily work that has so intensified. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I would be lying to you if I would say that my job can't be stressful. I mean, it, it often is before all this hit. Mm -hmm. um, where it's 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 a very, um, I definitely um, I'm thankful for my work and I love it. I'm very passionate about it. Um, but 
we're entering into a lot of broken people's lives. And then we also just manage a lot of personnel between the large volunteer and employee base and everything. Mm. Um, so a, a lot of those things have kind of intensified in the midst of this um, crisis because all of those relationships, whether with patients or others, you know, um, have to change. I mean, everything changed, just, you know, just overnight. Right. And there's so many individual situations to think through and to want to handle with grace and truth. There's also not a lot of guidelines for how to do things. And even on the medical side, the guidelines are evolving and changing so quickly. Mm. Um, so, you know, one thing I've been really thankful for, um, has been Psalm 46. I actually remember we, you and I talked, um, mm. right when all this was kind of happening briefly, and we both mentioned that had been on our heart, mm -hmm. but just that God is our refuge and strength and, um, our source of, uh, hope and help at all times. Mm. You know, even, started... even when the mountains crumble. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. And kind of that image of the river of God that, mm. um, guides us. Um, you know, I, I love science and um, certainly a scientist and, and believe that it's an incredible gift and incredible grace that God has given us. But I do think that this crisis has illustrated that, um, you know, science is something that has limitations mm -hmm. and um, medicine is something that has limitations. Um, there, It's an amazing gift. But um, the one thing that we can trust on and rely on is our hope in God mm. and his goodness and his grace. And what a beautiful story we have in, in scripture of of Jesus who met, you know, all the brokenness head on mm. and um, and persevered. Um, so that's so much more than good sentiment. That's something he experienced and that he shares that strength with with yeah. us. So I think those have been a lot of things. I will say I, I had a really intense moment of stress one Friday afternoon that was partially related to challenges with some patients I was dealing with and some challenges with um, kind of personnel, hard situations we're thinking through. Um, and I felt like I did not react well at all, kind of in some of my interactions with patients that kind of acted out of frustration. And um, whole weekend, I just was not able to kind of heal from that mm -hmm. and, and really um, move on. And I wasn't engaging well with my family and was, was just kind of irritable. Um, but had a really um moment where i really felt the holy spirit's presence was at parish group when um our parish group over zoom you know um uh our leader val just sensed that that, that i needed prayer and asked mm. the group to pray for me and mm. it was one of the you know one of those you know moments where um right in the moment you felt kind of the burdens lift mm. and so that sense of community in that moment was just really huge and something i'm really thankful for well it's beautiful I didn't prep you for this question, but I just wanted to ask this one last thing. Um, you know, you are seeing, you are on the front lines and you, you see so much of what people in poverty and people without um, some of the resources that we have are facing. Is there any word that you have for us as the church um, for how we can work for God's healing in our city, both now and in, in, in the months to come? Mm -hmm. any 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 word that you have for us um i think to individuals listening i would say um form relationships with people that have different experiences socioeconomically culturally um form 
real friendships and relationships with people. It can be hard to do. It takes effort, but it's so worth it. I'm, I have the advantage that it's part of my job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't tell you how much that's blessed me and informed my perspective. Um, I think a lot of people come to this type of work with some mixture of both a mercy and justice type perspective. Um, I come to it, I've, I brought into it mostly kind of a mercy perspective. I kind of came from means and want to give those means to others and share and, and learn and help and all that, which is good. I haven't experienced a lot of injustice in my life, very little. And um, I don't have still, I feel like, you know, a deep enough sense of injustice that I should. Um, and I, um, so I think that um, kind of coming in and experiencing or seeing other people's injustices helped me grow in that area. Um, but I think to really know your background and then um, your context and seek to grow either in the areas of understanding more about mercy or more about justice or injustice, kind of based on here is important. Um, I think um, in terms of from a more macro perspective, I would just say it's important for um, churches um, to engage with um, ministries as well as other communities of faith that are that are in different socioeconomic circumstances. Mm. I think um, kind of otherwise you end up with an echo chamber or you end up with wanting to help without really understanding what's what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I think vice versa, that's true as well. I think we um, as a church as a whole just don't gain the perspective from each other that that we could and, and we kind of miss the full picture of Christ because we don't see how Christ is experienced and people that are different than yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Such a good word. I, I mean, I think one of the things that struck me as you were talking is that for for folks in our third community, we might weather through this. There might be dings and bruises, and some of us might, you know, have a loss of in our stock portfolio or um, have to shift some resources around. But most of us will weather through it okay. But there will be many, many who end up probably in your clinics that don't weather this well at all and who are impacted by it for a really long time. And mm -hmm. so it's, I really appreciate that, um, what you said that what we need is relationships to be mm -hmm. able to see beyond ourselves, beyond our social networks and, and recognize that there are many, many around us who are going to need, um, a lot of friendship and care and support in the coming days. So absolutely. Thanks for that reminder. Absolutely. And, and for people that are in leadership positions and, making the hard decisions. Um, I don't know, I would just say my prayers are with you. I, I'm so thankful to have a job during this, um, but um, praying for you to, to be able to make those decisions with truth and grace, it's, um, I can't imagine, I mean, that's that's also the front lines of yeah. this crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you, Mike. It's been so great to talk to you and really are so grateful for what you do every day. Um, and thank you for listening, friends, and uh, we will try to have another one of these interviews up next week, and really grateful for you tuning in. See you next time.